No, no, no. Come on, let's appreciate Pastor Tokwe Akinshiku. Thank you, Ife. Good afternoon, Pastor Tokwe. So just to give um, some context, um, as we had said before, uh, you can share your questions through Slido, right? So slido.com, um, hashtag love life with PTA. Okay, so I think there's a QR code there and I'm sure it will also show up for the folks online as well. Uh, so we want to hear from you, let's engage. But even just to give some context, I was told that over the week we had 118 questions I know. So we already have a lot of questions. So um, uh, we're going to try and cover as many questions as possible. Pastor Pe has already said that you know she's going to cover as many questions as possible. So don't hesitate. Ask the questions that you have. We'll try and get them um, answered. Everyone excited? Okay. Let me let me just get a very quick like pulse check on the room. Everyone excited? Okay, okay, and for those online as well, I mean, I, I, I can't check, but I'm sure you're also very excited. So let's go. Good afternoon, Pastor. Good afternoon, Ife. So I'm going to go uh, start with some of the questions I have, and then, you know, we'll also ask the audience as well. So the first question I have is actually about um, our relationship with God. You know, what you had said, for example, today was, you know, your love life is your God life. So it goes, um, hi, PTA. Sometimes after I finish worshiping, I get the feeling that my worship time with God was not as intimate because I did not feel anything afterwards. Is this wrong on my part or uh, to think like this or am I doing something wrong in my worship? That's a very, very good um, question. You're not doing anything wrong. Worship is not by feelings. The Bible says those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when you're worshiping God, it's actually your spirit man through your body worshiping God. So, so far you are able to connect, you're not distracted, you don't need to feel anything. So please keep on worshiping, that's the way to go. Because when you worship God, it shows that you love him and you fear him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. The next question goes, um, how do you know, well, this is about relationships, so we're just going to go right into those. Um, how do you know when your partner's destiny does not align with yours? Is it very detrimental in the context of marriage? Very good question. <laughs> the first thing is um, your values. And when we say your values, I'm very careful to say that. Um, when you say, because when you use the word destiny, that's, um, that's a very hype word. But your values, which I'm very, very careful using, because sometimes your values, the values that um, Buddhists have, that Muslims have, is kindness and all that, which ties with Christianity sometimes. So I don't want to use the word um, values on its own, Christian values, it has to align. Destiny is a different ball game. Destiny is not something that is tangible. So this is very vague when you say your destiny doesn't align with yours because you don't even know what your destiny is in, in its entirety. So to be able to say that it does not align with the other person, it's a little bit vague. But let me answer it from the point of view of your Christian values. 
if your Christian values does not align, and what am I talking about when I say Christian values is that the person is not a born-again Christian. Do not be unequally yoked with unbeliever. So if that person is not a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, then it doesn't align. So even if the person is a church-goer and is not a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, then it doesn't align. But destiny, it's a very... Um, it, it's difficult for you to actually pin that down. So I wish, you know, that person, I could ask that person even furthermore, you know, what that is. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. But can I, if I, let me try and push the question just a little bit more. So what if the person says, you know, maybe they, someone wants to live somewhere else, you know, or, or says, you know, this is the kind of, work that they want to do that requires them to, you know, to be in another country, for example. So in, in that context, you, you know, what do you, what do you do? Yeah, in that particular context, um, like you, you're in different location. Um, <laughs> marriage is a very delicate thing. If you're planning to marry that person, you need to be in the same place. It's tough. Long distance relationship to start with is a tough one. Then not to talk of when you are now married. You need to be in the same place. So in a case where maybe because you are um, living in the same place or the work ethic or what that person wants to do, maybe the person wants to sell drugs and the other person is a medical doctor. <laughs> so when you talk destiny in that sense, it would not align because a drug dealer with someone that is in a very honorable uh, profession would not align. The other one is if you live in different um, areas, like maybe someone is living in South Africa and another person is in Canada, that can be tough. Mm. So destiny, I, you know, it's, not, it's vague. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's appreciate Pastor Talkway. I like this question because it's very short and sweet. So it says, good afternoon, PTA. I'm 20 years old. Should I date or not? That, you that's really all. want me to answer that? You want me to answer? Okay. We're on screen. Your parents are watching. Okay. So, I would say at 20, there's just still a lot you need to know. I think you should give yourself just a little bit more time before you start dating. Because at 20, you're not, you know, and don't get me wrong, there's some 20-year-olds that are super mature. But generally, I would say you should give it just a little bit, just a little bit more, just, just a, about a year more maybe at 21, in which case you can be friends with that person, but you're not dating, and then you get to know that person. But at 20, the academics is still there. There's still so many things competing for your interest that at 20, you might you know, be derailed or be distracted. So 20 will not be a good time. Give it some more time in which you are more settled. At 20, what year are you in the university at 20? Year two? Pardon? Year two. 
two or, two or three. three. Yeah. So you know, I would say you know towards towards the latter end of I think in this country you'll be in year two yeah. because you will get into university at about eighteen or something. Not coming from Nigeria, which you guys get in at sixteen, seventeen, right? <laughs> So I would say that, you know, give yourself a little bit more time, maybe another two years, thereabout. And, you know, depending on how matured you are, but give yourself time. There is plenty of time for these things. Trust me, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. <laughs> okay, so um, I have this question. I have to preface it by saying it's, it's quite long, Pastor um, so. Just bear with me. Um, so it goes, I am in a relationship with a man that loves and respects me. I love him too, and our plan was to get married next year. However, his parents don't like me, and the... However, his parents don't like me, and the two main reasons they gave was because of the state I'm from in Nigeria, and because I look older than him despite the fact that I am younger than him in age. I promised myself that I wouldn't get married into a family that doesn't love me because I saw my mom go through that and now I'm conflicted because I am so invested in this relationship and I feel like I found my husband. Also, his parents made a statement, find someone that is befitting for you. Mind you, I take proper care of myself, I have a beautiful career that pays well, I've supported this man financially, emotionally, and in Yay. other ways, although his parents don't know about it. I don't know what to make of, about this statement. It hurts me so much. Don't date a project. Don't date a project. If the guy cannot stand up to tell his parents that I believe this is it, then it's not good enough for you. If the parents, the parents is not my, they're not my concern. And I'll tell you why. That can be a landmine if you go on with it, if the parents don't like you and the man is not able to stand up, then that becomes a problem. I'm presuming that this is a lady writing this. Okay. So that you have invested so much in him. That is stupidity of the highest order. It doesn't make sense. You're hurt right now because of that. You are not even objective enough because of what you have invested, money and everything, time. And I get time, but money I don't understand. But don't date a project. If the guy is not ready to walk up to his parents and say, you know what, I believe this is God's will. After praying, after fasting and praying, and say to them that I believe this is God's will for my life, and I know that you care about me, you believe, you know, that um, um, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Can you, if you love me that much, can you pray along with me 
to actually find out if this is God's will. So, because I don't have enough context concerning this, I want to assume, because you said something about you take care of yourself, so you're not frivolous or anything like that. I want to assume that. If the parents are saying because of the state that you come from, that is not enough. If they are saying that the person is not born again, is not a Christian, and the person, you know, maybe the person is not, um, they want their child to marry from the covenant, you know, people, which is what Genesis 24 was all about. Abraham said, go to my people because I don't want my child to marry from the pagan. I can understand that. But if it's about a state that you're from, um, where can I say in Nigeria? And I'm trying to think. It's been, you're from Edo State. Uh, and is there, is there something called Edo State? <laughs> is there something called Edo State? Okay, so you're from Edo State. You don't like that. Yes, those are the people that discriminate a lot. So let's talk about it. <laughs> So you're from Edo State, and the guy is from Imo State, for instance. And you're saying, oh, because they are not from the same village, from Umaya. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Or from, you're from Abekuta. What's that state called? Ogun State? Ogun State yeah. You're from Ogun State, and the girl is from um, Oyo State. And you're thinking, oh, because of that, they don't want you to marry. That, that doesn't hold water. The main thing is that the guy has to be able, you and the guy, you both need to understand, is this God's will for your life? If it's God's will for your life, then fight it on your knees. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be disrespectful. Fight it on your knees. If you are able, if, and the boy needs to lead the prayer. If you are able to pray it through, then it will work. I've, I know so many people that have been able to do that, that they've been able to pray it through. But if the man cannot stand up to say, first and foremost, this is God's will for my life, don't date a project. Don't go there. Okay, so we have a question from the audience. Yes, you go. Hi, um, so my question is, hi, Ma. My, qu <laughs> my question is, I just want to preface, I'm not measuring anybody's spiritual journey, but my question is, um, is it advisable for a couple whose spiritual journey just have a, there's a dis disparity in their spiritual levels? Um, basically, like if, for example, for me, if I want to marry uh, somebody who's, uh, I'm not as deep in the walk with Christ and I'm more deeper in my walk with Christ, like, do you think it's advisable for me to marry that person or vice versa? Like, she's not as uh, developed in their spiritual journey. I'm, I'm um, you know, okay. more developed. So, do you think that's advisable to marry that person? Very, very good question. And I, I get it. If the person is not as spiritually developed as you are, especially if you're the man, if you are able to get her up to the point where you tend to like the same thing, as in she's ready to come to church, not pretending. Mm -hmm. 
not pretending. But she's actually ready to get into the world. And you've prayed carefully. You've prayed for her. Or prayed for, or if it's vice versa. You've prayed. And that person is ready to follow that. Then you can. But if it's a case that the person, especially um, if it's a lady or a guy. Yeah, it could be either. And he says, you know, let's go to church. Mm, you're always going to church. You go to church all the time. We don't need to go to church. We can stream. <laughs> Alarm bell. It's a no-go area. Oh, you want to, let's pray. Let's, I want to fast for two days. What do you mean? You want to fast? So that means I won't see you. So that means, I, you don't, please, 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 please. You don't need that. I've said it in this church several times. When I met my husband, I'd been born again since I was 19. He got born again in his late 20s when we met. But when we met, after he got born again, he got born again in June, and he said he was born again. I said, who knows whether you are born again because of girl. Let's be sure. But the level of intensity and hunger that he had, if, I mean, if I say it now, I'm just talking too much grammar. When I say, oh, I got born again before him. Please, who got born again first from your own judgment? <laughs> you know, but he got born again after me. But he knows so much because he went for it. He was so interested. He was so, you know, and not because of me. So if you have someone that is not interested, that's the word, they're not trying, there's no hunger in them, and you've prayed for them and there's no hunger in them, please don't marry them because they will pull you down. It's difficult going up, it's easier to come down. So they will pull you down. Does that answer your question? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, I have another question. So it goes, um, as a woman, is it non-biblical to not be interested in or feel the maternal instinct to want children? I'm happy to care for, for others. You know, I'm happy to care for those of others, but I don't necessarily want one of my own. Does that go against God's plan for my life? And if so, how can I change that perspective? That's a fantastic question. Like I say all the time that, you know, there's so many things that goes on in the world right now. And if we're not too careful, we, we imbibe them. We, we, we soak in on them. Biblically, the way it's been written in the Bible, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Be fruitful is not just to... To procre you know, for procreation, it's not just to have children. It involves other things. But procreation is a major part of that um, um, scripture. And so to not have that uh, maternal instinct, but you like children. So you like children, then that means there's something really wrong with that. If God says he blessed them and he said be fruitful, multiply, then there's a reason for that. Fruitfulness involves procreation, it's not limited to procreation. So when you feel that you don't have that instinct, there are two things that might be involved. Number one, fear. You've had some oral stories about giving birth, about labor, about, you know, you've had some stories, fear. Number two, selfishness. You feel that having children might cramp your style. You might feel that, you know, if you have children, you're not even sure that you can take care of them. And we all feel that way. Sometimes people feel that. Some people are 
bank their goods with children even before they have their own. But there are some people that feel that they're not good enough to take care of this delicate thing called a child. So fear is a major part of either you feel you're not good enough or you've heard stories about labor and all that stuff and so you are afraid. Or it could be you're just selfish. In which case you feel that you would not have enough time for yourself if you have this, the children to, 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 to take care of. In that case, you need to go to God sincerely. That's what you need to do. God, I don't feel this maternal instincts. I, I love children, but I don't feel I want to have my own. Help me. What do I need to do? And you can say cancel as well. But if you are to obey this, be fruitful and multiply, then you need to have your own children. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, yes, uh, we have someone else in the audience. So you can go on. Good afternoon, Pastor Sopo. My name is Todu. Uh, my question is, did you discern the calling of being a pastor before you got married or met Pastor Wale? Or it was when you got married that both of you identified pastoring a church as the assignment God ordained for your relationship or for your marriage? Okay. Wonderful question, and I would answer. Um, I was a pastor before I met pastor. I was a student pastor um, in the university in England where I did my law degree. I, I pastored in the Christian fellowship um, in there. That was 92 to 94. I met pastor in 94. For, I believe, or 95. So I was a pastor before, so I knew that I had a calling, but I did not know I was going to be a pastor. I had always known that I had a calling one way or the other, because everything that I gravitate towards, it's always, you know, once I gave my life, which is what I was telling you guys, that I never went back, I went for it. 120%. I went from one super extreme to, you know, actually giving my life and going neck deep into it. So I was a pastor for those two years in the university in England um, after my first degree. So I went for a second degree and I was a pastor in there before I now met pastor. We never thought we were going to pastor in Canada. Uh, my husband was the head of, um, just for a couple of months, almost a year, he was the head of um, intercession. It was part of a prayer ministry in Jesus House, London. Um, as part of that group, um, it, was now, it now became the head of it. But everybody would say, oh, you're going you're to pastor. You guys are going to become pastors. <laughs> you've heard my story. Or if you've, even Ignite, you've not. We were so poor. I said, you don't understand. I'm going to Canada. I'm going to make money. <laughs> don't even talk to me about pastoring. So we did not come here. The assignment was now given to us, and we knew that that was what we needed to do. But I was a pastor before I met pastor. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay. So I'm, get, I'm now beginning to get all these questions. So please, if you have any questions, um, don't forget you can put them on Slido. I, I see a couple people there, but I'm going to uh, try and answer the, you know, ask the questions that I have here as well. Okay, so um, this question says, um, what do I do if I fear marriage or relationships because of my father's infidelity? And should I tell my mother about his infidelity? Okay, let me start from the second question. Your dad and your mom, they are married, I believe. Trust me, your mom has an idea. <laughs> she does. It is no business of yours to say, oh, mommy, this is something that I know. She has, she has an idea, she has an inclination. Um, in one way or the other. So to the second question, please, what the Bible says is that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Because your parents did not get it right does not mean you are not going to get it right. And I want to I give them a bit of um, slack in that they probably were not Christians at this age that you were Christian. If they were, they probably would have gotten it right okay so put that into play and because god has not given you the spirit of fear please don't be afraid to get into a godly relationship make up your mind that the mistakes that they had made if you know them you were not good you are not going to make that mistake so for instance you want to look at a man that is what you're looking at is you want to look at a godly man that has to be a priority for you so that you don't fall into the trap that your mom probably had fallen into because it seems that you're more sympathetic towards your mom. But God has not given you the spirit of fear. There's no reason why you should fall into that same um, 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 trap if you're very sincere with God and you let God know. Because of what my dad has done and is still doing, I really don't want to get into a relationship. But I know that marriage is ordained by you, God Almighty. And so I need a godly relationship. Go into the place of prayer. Don't look at your mom or your dad's uh, marriage to mirror your own. Your own marriage will be much, much better than that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor. Um, this question goes, good afternoon, PTA. Um, I loved your sermon last week and I'm so happy there's a part two today and would love to get your thoughts on my dilemma or question. So there's a guy that I've been kind of talking to on and off for a while and while he has expressed he likes me and he could see a future with me. He even listed all the reasons he likes me which was surprisingly a very long list. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he also has very strong faith and we do talk about God a lot and, and have a lot in common. So that sounds great. Um, the only issue is I'm not attracted to him. Um, so I know you talked a bit about it, but I, I really I wanted to ask the, the additional points in the question. So my question is, is it worth dating someone if that initial tr attraction is not there? And if it's not, how do I say no? <sighs> Rule of thumb. Don't date someone 
that you are not attracted to. Okay? Initially, you might not be attracted to the container, to the person. Okay? Um, and for most parts, what happens with you guys is that you look at the finished product. You're looking at finished product with other people and you like what you're seeing. But somebody did like a repackaging of what you are seeing and you like. So the fact that you're looking at that person externally, why not look at some other things? He has listed the things that he likes about you. Why not try and list some of the things that you like, you think you like about him? Even though the container, which is the physical attraction of what you're seeing, the body, you, you don't like. But are there other things that you think you like? Because you need to be attracted to the person that you want to date. Otherwise, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. I know that in Christian circles, um, denominations and all that, they tell you, you know, is that the spirit leads, the spirit is the one directing. You're not going to sleep with a spirit. <laughs> so you need to be, to have a little bit, because sometimes it might not be the physical attraction that you have. It might be because you just like the way they do stuff, or their spirit, or the way they worship, or the way, you know, there will be something that you like. And that something is what you need to hold on to. And the physical attraction might come. But if it doesn't come, don't marry the person you are not attracted to. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I apologize. So we have just a few more uh, minutes, ma'am. But we want to ask if we can keep yes. going. Okay, perfect. Yes, you can. Hi, PTA. My name is Abby. <clears throat> My question is, um, when you, uh, you feel like you're serving in a season of singleness um, and you believe that God is trying to work on you before you get to the point where you can enter a relationship, um, if you see someone you may have an interest in or have prospects that come to you during that time, um, how do you figure out or how do you discern whether that's like God telling you you're ready to like move out of your season of singleness and like when it's like um, saying you're still supposed to be here, do you keep talking to the people um, to like get to know them more for like when you're out of it or do you kind of just stay focused and push everything else aside? Hmm. Okay. So the best way to, you know, when you're single um, and you're having, you know, you have people coming to you, you have to consider a couple of things. Um, number one is what season are you in? at this point in time, as in, are you still in school? Are you working? Are you um, um, doing your masters? You know, there's just so many things you need to consider in that sense, that's number one. If it's a case of, you know, you're done school, for instance, and you have someone coming to you, you, you there's nothing else you want to evaluate. You want to evaluate the people coming to you prayerfully. And when you, you know, how do you do that? You do that by taking each one to God and say, you know what? My father, this person has said hi. And then Mr. B, he has said, oh, can we go for a drink? And Mr. C is just smiling. He's not saying anything. <laughs> 
So yeah. So well, you know, which one should you know should I you know yeah you 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 observe you start from you know friendship you're friends with all of them then you observe you're not under pressure to go 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 but the season of your life is what I don't advise that once you're done school to just push it away and say oh for some other time no I would not advise that if you're done school and you have when I say school when you're done your first degree for instance, which is why we're saying 2022 or something, you know, you start dating. And people start coming to you, you should prayerfully consider those people. The way to choose is, number one, your interest has to align. And your interest, Genesis 24, are they covenant people? That's number one interest, because the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. If that is a check mark, sorry, Number one, are you attracted? Who are you attracted to? That's the first check mark. You have to be attracted to the person. You cannot sleep with spirits. So number one, am I attracted to this person? You check mark that. If, number two, um, uh, are we aligned covenantly? You check mark that. Um, number three, is this somebody that can lead me? Do they have enough substance to be able to lead me? You check mark that if it's a yes. And the last one will be a case of this person. Can this person actually um, be there for me for the different things that we need, you know, different things that will come. When life comes, can this person stand? If you're able to identify that, and the last one I'm going to put there is, what is the vision of that person? What, do that, what does that person want to do? Who does that person sees themselves becoming? If that aligns, as in the kind of person that you see that person to be, then it's the right thing to do. Don't wait and say, oh no, I have my career, I have this, I have that. No, no, there's nothing to wait for. All those things can follow even after you do get married. So if there are people that are coming to you right now and you are done with your first degree, please consider them prayerfully. Make sure your vision aligns. Make sure that person is a covenant person. And you do that by being friends, then you observe them. Then from observation, you go into dating or cutting, and then it leads to marriage. But you need to be friends first. You need to observe them first. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this next question says, good afternoon, PTA. Is it okay for a lady to approach a guy first or to initiate the interest of dating? Thanks. <laughs> okay. You will, I'm old school, double old school, triple old school. What I know is from the Bible. Anything outside the Bible, I can't make it. Isaac, Genesis 24 that I read to us, she went, um, um, the servant was sent to Rebekah and Rebekah was brought to Isaac. So it technically, you could say that Isaac is the one that approached, you know, in those days, in the olden days, they would send someone to go and approach the family. So it's not the family of Rebecca 
approaching Isaac's family that I want to get married. So, like I said, I'm very old school. I will say no. Thank you. Why is it quiet? <laughs> okay. It's quiet because the girls wants to be they want to be approaching the men because maybe the men are not. Uh, so yeah. they want to go to them and say, I like you. Life has turned upside down if that one starts happening. No. Because the man is the hunter. You kill the instinct in him when he's not able to do the hunting. A man is the one that goes, you know, to hunt. And he brings home the, 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 the kill. And he's proud. His ego is in it that have brought home the kill. But when the woman goes to... Sela. Okay. Yes, Simi. Good afternoon, um, Pastor Tape. My name is Simi, and this is my question. So, oh, I've lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So, in Romans um, 7.15, Paul addresses uh, the church in Rome, and he says, I'm a mystery to myself where I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. Um, and obviously, at that time, God was using Paul in a mighty way, but yet he still talks about how he was doing a lot of things that were against his morality. So how do you fight that feeling, first of all, to overcome, you know, obviously understanding Christ died for you, but really practically overcoming things that go against your moral? And then also believing that because you're struggling with those things, God can't use you. Okay, so let me start from the previous one. Because you're struggling with those things does not mean that God cannot use you. Paul that wrote that, wrote that from his own perspective, which is that he was struggling with a lot of, he was killing people, he was doing all sorts of things, but God had a mark on him, so God was still able to use him regardless, cleaning him up and using him. So that's the answer to that. That doesn't stop you, you know, God from using you, but he has to clean you up first. Um, that scripture, incidentally, I, you know, I ran out of time, I wanted to speak about that scripture. You, you sometimes feel that you want to do the right thing, but you find yourself um, doing the wrong thing. If you read the whole of that Romans 7, one of the things that Paul said there is that you need to talk to God and let God help you, right? That's the first step. The first step is that you need to go to God. You need God. Without God, you cannot do the right thing. So you need God. Practically now, one of the things that you need to do, things that would make you do the wrong thing, you need triggers, that will make you do the wrong thing. You need to get, you need to know those triggers and get rid of those triggers. So say for instance, um, you go into um, a shop or you go into a restaurant, you know that when you get into a restaurant, you overeat. What you would not normally eat, you would, you would take them because you are in a restaurant. Then you know that going into a restaurant would not be the best for you. It would be at, um, different occasion. It has to be like an occasion for you to go in there. So the triggers that leads to you doing those wrong things, you need to identify them intentionally first. When you identify them, then you are able to eliminate them. But without knowing the triggers, you cannot eliminate them. So the best way to not do the wrong thing 
practically is to understand what makes you do those things. What are the triggers? And once you understand those triggers, then you are able to eliminate them with the help of God. That's where God now comes in. But understand the triggers, know what the triggers is, and know how to eliminate them. Then you can now ask for the help of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I have another long one. Um, I'm going to try and do this quickly. So, good, good day, PTA. In the past, I have asked God questions concerning who my life partner was meant to be. Also, I have discerned being single for the rest of my life previously. Uh, so, this which scarred me due to spiritual manipulation from the authorities involved. At one point, God told me, or I heard God say, that I should become single forever. I was not necessarily happy, but I eventually accepted. At other times, I've heard God say I will marry someone, and I've met guys who I thought he wanted for me. This lack of discernment has led to countless heartbreaks and a loss of trust in God and anger toward God. As a result, I've decided to be single forever because I'm scared of getting into a relationship that might eventually end. My question is, how do I discern God's will for me concerning marriage or singleness and learn to trust God again? Let me, see the be- Let me see the beginning. I think I saw something. Can I see the beginning of it? Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. I want to deal with that area, the part that says um, spiritual manipulation from authorities involved. Um, nobody can discern whether you're going to be single for you. So nobody, nobody, nobody. A, a pastor cannot discern that. A parent cannot say, oh, you're going to be single. A pastor cannot. So I'm thinking spiritual authority, spiritual manipulation from authorities here is talking about maybe, like a pastor said, maybe you're going to be single. No, no. You, the reason why we are being manipulated by human beings, you know, be it a pastor, I don't care, is the fact that you, you don't know your Bible. Nobody can actually tell you, oh, you're going you're to be single. You're not Paul. Even Paul did not, he didn't choose that. Like, he did, it wasn't imposed on him, I mean. He made up his mind that that was what he wanted to do. So, being married or single is not something that can be imposed on you by anybody. Okay? So, that's the first part of that of that question, I want to clear that. If you're under um, a ministry that you feel you're being manipulated, then you need to get out of there. That's the first thing. The second one is, based on the way the question is, and I don't have enough information to be able to answer it correctly, but based on what you have written, you are actually being manipulated by demons. You're hearing voices. Because there's confusion in what you're saying. One minute you think you should be single, the next minute you're thinking, okay, you, you're not happy about being single. No good gift. Psalm 84 verse 11, no good gift will he withhold from you. He will not make you do what you are not happy about. God, the Holy Spirit does not push you into something that you say, oh no. You might be dragged into it, you might be 
not pushed. You might get into it and feel, oh, this is not what I thought I wanted to do. Like I said, I didn't feel that I wanted to come to Canada to become a pastor. I did not feel that way. I wanted to make money. Okay? My husband is a pharmacist and, you know, so I felt, ah, we're going to make money, a lot of money. However, what I'm doing today, which is, you know, pastoring, is the best thing that has happened to me. And that is the truth. So God will not give you something that you don't like. Just like he will not give you a husband or a wife that you don't like. He won't do that. So thinking that you're, you're hearing that maybe you should be single, now you are thinking you should be married, you need to clarify things. You need godly people, and if you're in this congregation, you need godly people that understand the word of God so they can guide you, all right? You're hearing strange voices. The will of God is that everyone should, you should be happy doing what you are doing. So if the will of God is to marry, then marry. If the will of God is that, okay, you want to remain single, what is the purpose for? For what? Single for what? There must be something. Madame Teresa, Mother, Mother Teresa, she never married. But she had a purpose. Why she, it was not necessary for her to get married. And she, she was able to carry out that purpose. So if God is telling you, if it is God that is telling you that you need to be single, what is the purpose he has given you? What has he told you to do? If he has not said anything, that's a lot of confusion. Satan is just playing games and manipulating stuff. You need to speak to God for clarity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, this question says, uh, can you give practical examples on how a woman should submit to their partner in a relationship but not yet in marriage? <laughs> okay. So, if you are struggling on this okay that means and i believe this is a woman right yes. yeah, okay so if you're struggling so there's a there's a possibility that this person cannot lead you effectively you might respect him you might like him you might love him but you don't think he can lead you so the question you need to ask, because submission is not difficult. In the book of Ephesians, where submission was spoken about, you submit first to one another before it gets to woman submit. The first part of it is submit to one another. So you have to be able to submit to this person who is a, the man. I believe this is a woman talking. So you have to be able to submit to the man before, you know, you have to be able to submit to one another, sorry, before we can talk of you submitting to him. You're not even married yet. So, the question is a bit convoluted. But it says, Ephesians 5.21, it says, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. That's the first thing. Then it now says, wife, submit to your husband. So the question for you is, can this guy lead you? Can he tell you sit down and you will sit down? Can he tell you when you are angry, you are very angry and he says, he calls your name and says stop, will you stop? 
I've given a lot of practical things now. If you cannot say yes to that, it cannot lead you. It's not a case of submission. Because you're not even married to him yet, but you're thinking, who is he to say this? If it's a case of who is he to say this to him, you have no business marrying the person you don't respect. Because you never respect him, even when you get married. So the, the, the blueprint is, can this person lead you? Can this person tell you, sit down, please, enough of what you have said? Can this person say, keep quiet? When you are angry, you're very agitated, and this person says, please keep quiet, enough is enough. Would you keep quiet? If the answer is no, thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, PTA. My name is Imole Ayo, and uh, my question is, how does a godly couple bounce back from infidelity? And how does one maintain that relationship after that? Because this is a generation when one slip up and it's over. So how do you determine after that if the relationship is still worth fighting for? Okay, so, uh, so let me ask this question. Uh, is, it, is that in, in, a mar in a marriage or is that in a dating relationship? Um, I would say both. Okay. If it's a marriage, there are things to do to make sure that your marriage becomes um, divorce-proof. Once there's infidelity, there's counseling. You need to go if it's in a marriage relationship. So that's a covenant relationship right there. So there's, um, you need to go into counseling. You need to repent. First and foremost, and say that, you know what, you've wronged this person because your body, his body, is one if it's in a marriage relationship. And so you need to repent and then go into counseling to understand why you had that trigger to, to fall into infidelity. If it's in your dating, you're not even supposed to be... You're not supposed to be... If it's dating, you're not even supposed to have a sexual relationship. So in a case where you're not supposed to have a sexual relationship and the other person goes on to have that, then the person really needs to sit and find out if, you know, um, so let's imagine that the other person, like a guy, and it's you, a lady, you need to ask yourself the question that as this person repented to see that, okay, this that I've done, it's not the way to go because it's fornication. There's no other name to call it. And the Bible says, you know, they, you're, you're not married. So if you're not married, you're not even, he's not supposed to get into fornication. So let's assume that he has fornicated. He needs to find out if, um, you, you need to find out if he's actually, he has repented. And if he has repented, is it a genuine repentance to say that, you know, this will not happen again, I've just been. It's on that basis that you're able to determine if it's a way to go, is what fighting for. But in a case where the person does not even feel there's anything wrong in it, because that's what everybody is doing, it's a waste of time for you to continue in that relationship. I don't know if that, that you know, so if it's a, if it's a dating relationship, you are not even supposed to have sex. But if it's a marriage relationship, there are steps to go on that. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you. One more. Okay. The last one. Okay. 
So it says, uh, my parents have had a very abusive relationship all of my life, and their parents had a broken relationship as well. Is there a generational curse regarding my marital destiny, given the nature of my parents' and grandparents' marriages? And what scripture can I use or prayer can I pray so that it doesn't also become my portion? Okay, without knowing the specifics, there's some things going on there. If your grandparents, your parents, you know. But like I, I always say to people, um, generational causes, um, God lets you into it because you are born again. They might not be born again, you know, when they got into, into this. So it might be that they don't even know that there's something wrong. So it happened with the grandparents and your parents fell into the same thing. Um, again, that doesn't mean you have to fall into that same thing. And in order for you not to fall into that same thing, you need to take specific steps in prayers to break the curse. It's a curse, no doubt about it. But you need, there's no, no practical step to go about it. It's prayer. It's fasting and prayer to make sure that, and reading books that would give you the understanding that this is a curse. And what you do with the curse is that you break the curse. So the way to break the curse is not something I can dish out to you here, but there are books that will help you. Um, Breaking the Curse of Life by Derek Prince, I think it is, and there's another one by Bishop Oyedeko that will teach you how to go about breaking those curses. And you getting into um, deep prayers, um, like fasting and praying, that would not be your lot, even if it's a generational thing. You can break it. Because when they got into it, they were probably not Christians. Your grandparents were probably not Christians. Your parents, they probably didn't know what they were doing as well. But you are born again now, and God has opened your eyes to see it. So you can break it. He doesn't want you to get into that same situation. That's why he's showing it to you. And that's why you are conscious of it. So break it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor Topwe. Can we appreciate Pastor Topwe? Yeah. It's been really nice, um, you guys having me. I've enjoyed myself. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed myself. You know, so I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to pray for you. God has been with me. I did not miss it. You will not miss it. You will not miss it. No matter how turbulent the terrain might be, you will not miss it. In the name of Jesus, God will bless you. It will increase you. It will expand you guys. In the name of Jesus. The plan that he has for you, it will come to fruition. You will not truncate the plan of God over your life. The enemy will not truncate the plan of God over your life. In the mighty name of Jesus, in your going out, in your coming in, you are blessed. In the name of Jesus, everything that is your desire, that you're thinking about, the Lord will exceed your expectation. The expectation of the righteous will not be cut off. Your expectation will not be cut off. 
confusion has come to an end in the name of Jesus. Suicidal thoughts have come to an end in the name of Jesus. The enemy will not take over your mind in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not be confused. You will always hear a voice behind you, the voice of the Holy Spirit, saying this is the way, walk in it in the name of Jesus. As we are in this year of possibility, everything that you lay your hands on, it will prosper. In your academics, you will be the best. In the name of Jesus, in areas where you have had a turbulent time in your academics, Jehovah God will straighten the path for you in the name of Jesus. In areas of your academics that has not been smooth, things have been rough. I decree in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. I decree right now that you will know what to do. Your path will be straight in the mighty name of Jesus. In your career, you're thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to go about it? God Almighty will lead you aright. For every one of you that is at the point where you need to make a commitment concerning your career. You need to choose one thing or the other concerning your career. God Almighty will choose for you. He will help you in the mighty name of Jesus. And concerning your love life, you will not miss it. Regardless of what has happened to your grandparents, to your great-grandparents, to your parents, your story will be different. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear in any area. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Because your parents have had broken homes of no fault of theirs sometimes, you are exempted from that. That generational cost, you are exempted from it. I decree you will succeed in the name of Jesus. You foul demonic spirit. I command you, lose your grip over them. Lose your hold over them. In the name of Jesus, you will not be friends with drugs. You will not be friends with alcohol. In the name of Jesus, the lust and the thirst for things like that, I decree be removed in the name of Jesus. The lust for sexual immorality, for perversion, for pornography, for prostitutes. I decree right now, Satan, lose your grip over them in the name of Jesus. Lose your hold over them in the mighty name of Jesus. It's a new beginning for them in the mighty name of Jesus. For every one of you, it's a new beginning. It's a new dawn. The God that is the God of perfection. Today, he has started a good work in you. He will perfect it. Your future is bright. Your future is bright. You have a wonderful future and a happy ending. In the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you, Ignite Church.